All right, I want to just minister. Oh, I tell you, I'm so glad. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. I had to shout. If I kept it in, I would not have been able to handle myself. Isn't the Lord so good? Can we throw him a kiss? Come on, one, two, three. Ah, oh, bless you, Lord, my God. Now, I want to minister the word. <laughs> sorry about scaring you. I want to minister the word tonight about something very important. I'm calling this message the earnest of the spirit, but I want to explain what does it really mean to have the earnest down payment of the Holy Spirit. It's something beyond exciting. It's beyond exciting. All right, let's go. Now, Chad, you take a microphone. Let me have that mic that you had, guys. All right? And you're going to... Do we have one more microphone somewhere, or, is, or this is it? Okay, this is it. Can you catch? <laughs> it's all right. Now, you're going to... I'm going to read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1. You're going to all go with me to Second Corinthians 1, 21, 22. You're going to read Ephesians 1, 13, 14. Okay? You're going to read Ephesians 1, 13, 14. And then I'm going to come back and read Ephesians 4. In fact, you're going to read Ephesians 4. You're, you're close to, you know, chapter 4. Then you're going to read Ephesians 4.30. Okay? So first, 2 Corinthians... And notice what I'm going to point out to you because my aim tonight is one, to strengthen you in the faith. Did you hear what I said? I want to strengthen you in the Lord. That's my real heart's desire for tonight because it matters much to the Lord that you be stronger and get stronger daily in the faith. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us, watch these words, who has also sealed us and given us the earnest or down payment of the Spirit in our hearts. All right? Ephesians 1, 13, 14. Now, please, go ahead. In whom ye also trusted, after that he, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, let's look at Ephesians 4.30. I'll read that for you there, my good brother. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So these amazing scriptures talk about the fact God has sealed us with a down payment. What does it mean? Well, it means that God Almighty said, all right, I'm going to buy you a house, and I'm giving you the down payment for the house. But you have a responsibility. If you come to the house, I'll pay for it. Totally. I'm giving you that I'm payment. But the house cannot be yours completely until you come and live in it. So God has given us the kingdom. Bigger than a house, huh? 
And he says, I have given you the down payment to have a kingdom. And when you show up to my kingdom, I'll give it to you. I'll pay the full price, and you will be the owner. Now, the God we serve, the word of God says, I had not seen nor ear hath heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, <clears throat> you and I need to also pay attention to the words of St. Augustine who said, You have made us for yourself, and we are restless, restless, until we find our rest in you. Lord, you've made me for yourself, and I am restless until I find my rest in you. So why? <coughs> why was I born? Was I born to know my mom? No. Was I born to know my dad? No. Was I born to know my wife? No. Was I born to know my children? No. I was born to know Jesus. That's the reason for life itself. Yes, we will have a mommy. Yes, we will have a daddy. Yes, we will have a wife. Yes, we will have children. But the real reason for life today in this world is one, to meet the Son of God. Who became flesh. Who dwelt among us. Now, I'm going to say something here. I wasn't planning on saying it. It's quite powerful. When you study the Ark of the Covenant, it was made of wood, acacia wood. What does wood symbolize in the Bible? Flesh. What does acacia wood symbolize? Eternal flesh. Because acacia wood has longevity. It lives longer than any other wood known to men, and it's found only in the deserts of the Middle East. So the only man that ever lived and lives still forever in the body is Jesus. Therefore, flesh, wood, that's what the Bible means by wood, flesh, bodies. Acacia, eternal flesh. Thou will not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So God said, now listen. Moses, take the tablets and put them in, a, in an ark made of wood. And cover that wood with gold all the way around. And place rings on the sides. And put two poles or four poles in it so it can be, it can be carried. But then he said something amazing. He said, I want you to build... A cover, it's called a mercy seat. That mercy seat means substitution, propitiation. And I want you to put a crown around it, and I want you to build two cherubs on each side looking down on the mercy seat. But make sure that mercy seat has no wood in it, all gold. Why? Because the ark 
speaks of Jesus, the Son of God, who is God Almighty. Wood, gold, divinity, humanity in one. But then God said something amazing. He said, put the tablets in the ark. What does it mean? It means the word will be fulfilled in him. He will fulfill the word. I've been teaching on this in BHI. It's been marvelous. You're one of my students. You've been enjoying it, haven't you? But this is something marvelous that when Moses, can you people handle some meat? Yes or no? Okay. When Moses was on the, uh, on, the, on the mountaintop to receive the law, and Israel was in the camp building a calf, he came down and he broke the tablets. Now, there's a reason why he broke them. That is very prophetic. I don't have time to talk about it right now with you. But what is so remarkable is this. God said, come back to the mountain. You bring the tablets with you. And I will write on the tablets the Ten Commandments. And you put them in the ark. He began building the ark before he ever received those new tablets. It's a whole amazing revelation in why a second tablet was given. Wow. Don't have time to even teach on it tonight. But something so remarkable that the Bible says on the Psalms that only God's son will fulfill the law. But the mercy seat was all gold, meaning all God. The early heresy in the church was denying that he is God. That's why 1 John was written. Denying that he's God. Because to this day there are questions, even in today's uh, church, there's, there's a show on one of the Christian networks today where they, where they question, is Jesus God or man? And I have to say, knock, knock, boys. Do you know the Bible, yes or no? Because the Bible says clearly he is God Almighty. You don't have to ask the question, is he God or the Son of God? When the Bible says Son of God, it means in the flesh. God in the flesh. I love what Billy Graham used to say, God in the person of Jesus Christ died on that cross. God died on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about the ark, don't lose this now. When you think about that ark and you see that mercy seat on top, there was blood on it. Once a year, the high priest would come and put blood and God would speak through that blood to Moses between the two cherubs. But why was it all gold? Because it speaks of his divinity, not humanity, only divinity, meaning it's God who died on that cross. Amazingly, the blood was never sprinkled inside the ark. It was only sprinkled on the mercy seat because it's God who died on that cross. Now, this amazing God has purchased our salvation and sealed us 
with his Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we will not find rest till we find him. Now, I want you to, to, to pay attention to this because this is the cry of God's heart today. God himself will not be satisfied until he is in the midst of his people. His greatest desire is to dwell among us, to dwell in us. When you look at Revelation 21, you see something so beautiful mentioned here that is, I think, so full of love. It says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. What an amazing, amazing revelation of God's love, wanting to dwell among us and in us. Wait a minute. Think about what that means. You and I are a piece of dust. A dust. I'm walking in the mall one day in California. I'm looking at people. I said to somebody, I said, you know what you're looking at right, right here? All these people walking, not knowing where they're going in the spirit. They're just going shopping. I said, you know what you're looking at? No. I said, dust with two legs. <laughs> There's dust with two legs. And you think about what does God want with mud? Do you want to dwell in mud, Gregory? You want to live in it? God does. It's okay, I woke you up. That's all this is, brother. From dust. Yeah, from dust. Thou art. You know what the, what the word Adam means? Mud. Yeah. Mr. Mud. <laughs> Mr. Mud, Mr. Mud. That's all we are. And God said, I want this mud to be my home. Wow. Knock, 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 knock. Think, think about what I just said. It's like beyond love. Wow. And he wants to turn that mud into his glory. That to me is even more beyond. Like, like okay, I'm still blowing away by God wanting this mud. This is called the temple of the Holy Spirit right here. This is temple, brother. This is not flesh, bone. It's more than that. It's a temple. They want to go build a temple in Jerusalem. They don't need it. It's right here. I will dwell among them and be their God. So why did he put a down payment? Because it's his house. And he will dwell in you forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, that's big news. That's bigger news than any news I can give you. That God himself has decided to dwell inside of you. And today, the Holy Spirit dwells in this body that most of us, if not all of us, don't really like. 
we would rather have another one. If you, if, listen, when I was living in Jaffa, I wanted blonde hair. I still do. I wanted blue eyes. I still do. I used to make a joke that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God for blonde hair and blue eyes. And if he says no, I'm going to buy a blonde wig and put some contact lenses on. I'm just being funny. But we look at the mirror and say, ah, I could, you know, I could have been better. But you see, God looks at you and says, I love everything about you. And I want to dwell in you. You are mine forever. Somebody lift your hand and say, thank you, Lord. And he puts a seal on you and says, mine. A down payment says, mine. God will not be satisfied until, watch this, until in his eternal day, in eternity, it's that eternal day, he will dwell among his people. Not only that, showing us the exceeding riches of his grace. When you read Ephesians 2, and you see the longing of the heart of God, I give you praise, Lord, for this. And you read Ephesians 2, 7, it says, In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. Through Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Think about this, Bruce. Think about this, Josh, back there. That God wants to show the exceeding riches, exceeding riches, not just riches, exceeding riches of his grace and kindness to you, and he can't wait to do it. All the riches God has in glory, he wants to share with you. Who am I? All the riches of his grace he wants to impart to you. All the love he can give to you. Undeserving you and me. And he puts that damn payment on you to tell you it's on the way. But you have some responsibilities. What are they? Come and take your place. Come and possess what I promised you. It's like you buying a house, putting a down payment, and then walking in and saying, I'm going to now pay the full price and it'll be mine, paid for. God says, come and take your possession. I'm putting the down payment, and when you come, I'll give you the money for the whole thing. The whole kingdom is yours. And I'm explaining it with like a house, money, all that, even though that won't be there. Look, look, look what Paul wrote about this. And we all read this wonderful portion in Philippians chapter 1. We say, oh, that he hath begun a good work and you will finish it. What work? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, building your life, promising you his glory in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God has planned for you, Literally to share his life with you. 
You know, that's like mind-boggling to share himself with us, to be completely one with us. What Jesus prayed in John 17, I in them and they in me, that's beyond oneness that I can even describe. You know why? Because there's nobody in me, in the flesh. But God is in you, you of course. But when you, when you think about these words, I in them and they in me, I in them and they in me is not possible in the flesh. It's only possible spiritually. I in them and they in me, even with a mother that has a baby, that's not even possible to even explain that. Because when the baby is in her, it's in her. She's not in him. But God says, I in them and they in me. That's oneness beyond humanity's comprehension. And I put a seal on you to, to show you it's, it's coming. That oneness is coming. When we see him, we shall be like him as he is, as he is, as he is. Now hold it. What does that mean as he is? It means the Mount of Transfiguration. It means that you and I will look just like he looked on that day when they saw him. His face was transfigured. His body be be began to shine brighter than the sun itself. I'm looking at Gregory. One of these days, you won't look like this. You will look just like him. You say what? Eyes of fire. Those blue eyes are about to go. <laughs> eyes of fire like him. Hair of wool. <gasps> we can't describe the glory coming. We just can't. You cannot describe the beauty that you will be on that day. You just can't. And God says, not only will I share myself with you, you will rule everything I have. You will judge the nations. You'll judge the world. You'll judge angels. What? A piece of dust? Judging angels? Judging the world? More than that. Ruling the world. Kings and priests unto our God. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A treasured people. The word peculiar means treasured. Like a treasure. You, me, you bet. You, me. But are we qualified? He makes us qualified. And all we have to do is one thing. Abide in me. How easy is that? Just abide in me. Just let me live my life through you. When Chad came to work with me about two years ago, he came with a great hunger to know, Benny Hinn, tell me how to live the Christian life. And I said, what, what did I say? He told me to allow the one who lives within me the precious Holy Spirit, to live his life through me. But I can't do it on my own strength. I can't. I said, look within. 
I said, let him live his life through you. Don't try to live it. Let him live it. All you do is surrender. The word in the Bible about Christianity, I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again because some of you have not heard it. It's not about trying. It doesn't say try to live it. Try to live the No, it says yield. Not try, yield. Yield your members. Yield them as instruments of righteousness. Let him live his life through you. Don't try to live the Christian life without the Lord because you'll fail. Let him live it because only he can live it. Only he can live it. Now the Bible says something powerful. Something beautiful in fact. Paul the apostle writing about this life in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 8 says these words. And we're talking about the same thing. About God Almighty sealing you. God Almighty putting a down payment and saying, okay, now you're mine. Just let me rule your life. Surrender your life. He says this, who will also confirm you unto the end. That you may be blameless in the day of of our Lord Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? In Philippians 1, 6, he that hath begun a good work will finish it. But he'll finish it, it says in this portion, he will finish it with you being blameless. Blameless before him in the day of Jesus. Wow. And now he tells the saints in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, a very well-known portion in the Bible, and to many of you, it says in 2 Thessalonians 3, oh, hallelujah, Lord. But the, and this is verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from evil. He not only will finish what is started and make sure when you get there you're blameless, but he will keep you from the devil. He'll protect you from the evil. And by the way, that word is evil one. The Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from the evil one. So he's the one who will do it all. He'll start the work, finish the work. He'll make sure when you get there, blameless. And he also will establish you. Every day I pray this prayer. Lord, establish your word in me and me in your word. I just pray that tonight with all of you. Lord, establish your word in me and establish me in your word. And God says, I will establish you and I'll keep you from the devil. I've seen his majesty three times. And I don't care to see him again. I'm talking about the devil himself. And I'm not afraid of him. I used to be. Not now. <laughs> you know why? I've met the stronger one. His name is Jesus. And when you meet the Lord, you will lose your fear of demons. You will lose your fear of the devil, when you really meet the Lord. When you get to know his presence, it's over. The devil is gone. Bye-bye. Shalom. Well, not really shalom, just good, good riddance. 
Because shalom means peace. And he surely will not know that. But the thing is, knowing the presence of the Holy Spirit sets you free from all fears. Yeah, demons are real. Of course, they're, they're, they're real. Some, some, some of you probably still have one, 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 you know, one or two hanging around. I pray, I pray here, here tonight, God's going to kick that thing out of you. Say amen. I used to say in OCC at the church, I would open Sunday morning. All you devils today, I'm about to kick you out. <laughs> People will say, hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord begins and the Lord finishes his work. Somebody say, amen. amen. Now, now let's, let's just look at some wonderful portions of the word of God. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we read this beautiful and very familiar portion. But it's all about God beginning and finishing what he started. And the very God of peace, verse 23. And the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. I don't think that Paul the Apostle would have survived had, had he not believed that God will keep him. Imagine all the trials he went through. Imagine all the difficulties he faced. The shipwrecks. They, they, they threw rocks at him more than once. He fought with beasts, he said in Ephesus. But this is what kept him. Second Timothy 4.18, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. The Lord will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. You know, you and I need to have that, that, that same faith. That God will keep us and preserve us. That no devil can touch us. That what God has started with that down payment, he'll finish it. And all we have to do is cooperate. That's it. Just cooperate. We will have no fear. No fear of death. No fear of Anything in the future, peace that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. In him means in him, united in him. And how do we get in him? Surrender every day, abide every day, that's it. Spend time with the Lord. And this same Paul the Apostle, who just spoke those words and wrote them to Timothy, said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and these are all promises that belong to each one of us. Verse 4 and 5. For we that are in this tabernacle, in this body, do groan, being burdened, not 
for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon with a new body that, that is. Clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who has also given unto us what? The earnest, the down payment of the spirit. The longer you live, the more you want to be free from this shell called the tent, the body, the body. One of these days, this body will get too old to hang on. And you'll walk out of it with legs, with arms, with a full spirit body, with eyes and hair, <laughs> even hair. And you that don't have hair in the, in the, on your body physically, you'll, you'll have hair on your body spiritually. Lots of it. Think about this. When we, when this body is no more, we're going to walk right out of it. And look and say, oh, it doesn't look that good no more. <laughs> and just walk away into our inheritance. <laughs> Morris Sorolla said one time, he said, if I die here tonight preaching, don't you come and try to raise me from, from the dead. <laughs> leave, him, leave me alone. I'll be, I'll be out of this. All right, he was. So God Almighty, you like this one, didn't you? God Almighty is at work in, in us as children. Because here it says, watch this, one more time. Verse 5, he that hath wrought us for this self-same thing. In other words, he that puts that desire in you to be free from this old shell of yours. I want to remind you one more time, even though maybe you've heard this already. You'll never die. There's no such thing in the Christian life as death. Why? Because all we do is continue living. Billy Graham said, no, no, I won't die. I'm just changing my address. <laughs> we go from one place to another. And the Bible will not even say the word dead it says asleep concerning them which are asleep meaning the body goes to sleep because it will wake up one day on resurrection morning to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in this same chapter by the way and Paul says we groan to be free from this tabernacle this tent that we might be clothed and he that has wrought and that word wrought means prepared. Us for the self-same thing is God who gave us what? A down payment. So he is at work in us. He has, he has given us his pledge. Faithful is he. He put that down payment on us. And he says, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. Your full redemption is coming you know, Paul the Apostle said that the Holy Spirit is both the seal and the down payment. We just read it earlier in 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 1. He is both the seal and the down payment on your, on your life. Now I'm coming to the end of the message because what I'm going to say in the next few minutes, you gotta, you've got to pay attention to. 
the Holy Spirit is himself the seal. The Holy Spirit is himself the down payment. The person of the Holy Spirit is the seal. And the person of the Holy Spirit is the down payment. No, hold it. Think about what I just said. He is the down payment. The down payment is not a price. It's a person. It's not a thing. Person. The down payment is not some gift. It is the holy, blessed person of the Holy Spirit who has given himself to you as a down payment on your redemption. A whole person is your seal. That to me is amazing grace. That he, the spirit of grace, the spirit of glory, has given himself to you and I as a down payment. It's incredible. And so great is the down payment. Imagine what the possession will be like. If the down payment is this glorious, how about the full possession? Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. And he is, the Holy Spirit is always continually at work in us to bring us to our inheritance. In other words, Pay attention. The down payment is working in you to bring you to your inheritance. I've never had a down payment working in me. He is the down payment working in my life, bringing me to my inheritance. That's marvelous. The down payment is working in me. To bring me to my full inheritance. That's deep stuff. Paul the Apostle wrote some beautiful things about this. And that's why he writes in Ephesians 5, and now we can kind of connect it together. He says, be not drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18, wherein is riotous living, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him control your life. Let him be the one that is running your life. Don't try to run your own life. You'll make a mess out of it. Let him run your life. Surrender to him. This I say then, walk in the Holy Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh which wants to destroy you. Galatians 5.16. And when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, things will happen like in Galatians 6 verse 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he'll reap. And he that sows to his flesh will reap corruption. But he that sows to the Holy Spirit shall reap life. Shall reap life. How do I sow to the Holy Spirit? By surrendering 
Now, now if, if you missed everything I said, don't miss this one. God is faithful to us beyond question. But the faith, please hear this, but the faith and faithfulness of men, of us, must be involved. The faithfulness of God is guaranteed. But my faithfulness is involved. A lot of people read, and we just saw Philippians 1, 6. Let's go back to Philippians, please, all of us. I want to point something out to you that's really, really very important. In Philippians 1, 6, we read that God, let me reread the whole verse, being confident of this, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's stop here for a moment because Philippians 1, 6 is true, but nobody pays attention to chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says, even as it is meet, even at is, as it is right for me to think this of all of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds, meaning prison, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers, you all share in my grace. What is he telling me here? When I saw this, the lights came on because I've always known Philippians 1, 6. But Philippians 1, 6 goes with Philippians 1, 7, which is what? When you and I are faithful to the gospel of God, he will be faithful to us. Because in verse 7, he says, you share in my prison. You share in my confirmation of the gospel. Meaning you are faithful to the gospel. So God is faithful to finish what he began in you as long as you're faithful to his gospel. It's all there. It's all there. Uh you know what has done us a great injustice as Christians? These verses, these chapters, they break the word for us and we can't connect it together. We are looking at the text, but not the context. Did you hear what I said? Get the verses out. Get the chapters out and look at the whole message as one message. When I read the Bible now, I ignore the verses. I found out something amazing. Isaiah 53 does not begin with who had believed our report. It begins with Isaiah 52, the last two verses. They cut it in the wrong place, and we lost the message. An Englishman divided the Bible into chapters and a Frenchman into verses. And they've done more damage to you and me than anything else. Because we don't read the Bible as a whole. We read the Bible as chapter and verse. 
So everyone knows, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So you can all tell me by heart John 3.16, but who can tell me by heart John 3.14? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. For God so. That word, soul of the world, has been mistranslated. It doesn't mean so, like so much. So loves you. It means in like manner. Thus, look it up in your translation. For thus God loves the world. Thus, in like manner. Like manner, like what? Like Moses lifted up the serpent. In like manner shall God love the world. It changes the whole message. Because we know the verse, but not the, we know the text, but not the context. Are you listening? So read the Bible as a whole. It'll change the whole Bible. So people like reading Philippians 1, 6, but don't pay attention to what Paul says in chapter 7. So, God Almighty began his work and he'll finish his work dependent on what? Our cooperation. That's why he said in the same book Philippians 4.1 he said stand fast in the Lord dearly beloved. Stand fast. In other words don't walk away and don't give up. And then he said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2. Wherefore, verse 12, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will, to do his good pleasure. Now some will say, well, since God will do his work, why should I? But they, they, they seem to ignore that God's faithfulness does not relieve me of my responsibility. I'm still responsible to work it out. It's, it's, it's one message. Work out your salvation and then God will work in you. It's a, it's, it's a partnership. It's a working together. And finally, many take comfort in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I've heard that taught so many times by preachers. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you're able but will with the temptation make a way of escape. That's a great comforting verse. But they ignore verse 13 with verse 12. With verse 14. I just said it earlier. They read the text, not the context. Let's look at it all in one picture. How does he begin? Take heed lest you fall. 
verse 12. How about verse 14? My dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. You want God to help you to win over temptations in verse 13? Good. Take heed lest you fall. You want God to help you? Flee from greed, which is idolatry. Don't worship anyone or anything else. So put the, the, the thing together. Yes. No temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. He's faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to be tempted. But with the temptation, he'll make a way for you to escape. But first take heed lest you fall. Do your job. And also flee from idolatry. And that's why he writes in verse 15, judge what I said to you. See the whole picture. Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise. Lift your hands and thank him, saints. Thank you, Lord, my God. You are Lord, you are Lord. You are risen from the dead. I wrote a prayer. Dear Jesus, with that message years ago, I wrote this prayer. Protect me from falling. Keep me walking with you for your glory and honor forever. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your blessed promises. Your people have come tonight expecting a touch from heaven. Your people have come expecting you to touch each one of them. I worship you, wonderful Jesus. I worship you, sweet, wonderful Savior. Singers, please come take your microphones. Lift your hands and bless him in the Holy Ghost right now out loud. Bless him in the Holy Ghost. Risen from the dead. Every knee shall bow on that day. Every tongue will confess. standing please everyone standing holy holy as we lift our hearts before you a token of our love Lord every eye closed lift your hands to heaven gently now holy 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 
to be your children we're so blessed to be your children gracious father as we lift our hearts and we
You're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. We worship you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace Heavenly sound, Bruce. Holy Lord God. Mene, mene, kinti palbume. Mieno, mieno, kinti rama. Jesus.
Jesus. What a wonder you are. You are so gentle. So pure and so kind, you who shine like the bright morning star, Jesus. What a wonder So holy, so gracious. Ascribe glory to thee, we ascribe honor to thee, we ascribe power and majesty. Just play it for a minute. yourself now there's such a blessed presence of the Lord here to thee we ascribe glory to thee we ascribe
such a presence of the Lord that I sense here. Give him your life. Don't hold anything back. Give him your mind. Give him your body. It's not yours anymore. It's his temple. Glorify God with your body, writes Paul the Apostle, which is the Lord's. The Lord for the body and the body for the Lord. Not for sin, not for fornication, Paul writes. The body for the Lord. The Lord for the body. It's his vessel. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
begynnes til å huspe. Halleluja. Those sick in body, place your hand on that sickness. sense the glory of God here. Yeah. yeah, you can pick him up. But, but you know what? Leave him alone. God is really blessing him. I didn't expect this. I did not expect the Lord to do this. I began sensing a strong anointing earlier here. tell you saints I think the Lord is trying to tell us something about his coming it's closer than we think now Lord bless your people bless their future don't let them lack in spirit don't let them lack health don't let them lack financially in your glorious name I sense to tell you something thank you you just stay with us a minute please listen here to what I'm going to say to you we are entering into a season and I feel the anointing so strong on me I just don't know what else to say except I'm amazed by the Lord right now. We are going to enter a season where God will declare his power in our lives like we've never seen in our lives. And I'm talking in tangible ways. Tangible ways means that when the economy begins to collapse, which it will in the world, God is going to supernaturally show up in our homes. Literally, you, you're going to wake up in the morning with fresh bread on your table. No, 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 no wait, wait, hold, hold, hold. Keep listening. In the scripture, we see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the prophet Elisha multiplying oil in a vessel. And the only thing that stopped it is they could not find any more vessels to fill. The God of Israel took care before that, took care of millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of animals in a desert. So just think, we know he took care of Israel. Do you know around that tabernacle, the children of Israel went 12 miles this way, 12 miles this way, 12 miles this way, and 12 miles that way, around the tabernacle. That's a long way. When they walked, it was 40 square miles full of people walking together. 
when they offered animals, the daily requirements that were offered were 30 truckloads of today's trucks. Think about all the offerings that were required daily by the priesthood and the people. So think about 3 million people and a large part of them brought daily offerings. They estimate that 30 trucks today would be the daily requirements of animals in the desert to be offered to God. Think about how much water was spent in cleaning them all. Just cleaning those animals. Who took care of that? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nobody thinks about the animals God took care of. We all know about the manna that fed the people and the, how God took care of them. Their clothing did not wear out and so on and so forth. But God went way beyond taking care of his people. He went taking care of the animals, the sheep and the oxen and the goats and so on. The day is coming. God will do it again here in a way that will amaze the Christian who lives for God as he should and as she should. So this world, the last few days, the economies of the world began to shake. The stock market went down, went up, up, down, dependent on Russia and Ukraine. Now they're declaring a possible war in Europe tonight to the world, to the world. We don't know how, how things are going to develop the next few years, but all we know as we, uh, as God's people is, if we are faithful in with God Today, if we are faithful to him today, we have nothing to worry about tomorrow. Because a faithful man will abound. Abound means overflow. Abound with blessings. Now, a lot of you sweet people have, you smart people, many of you are, you've invested your money in real estate or possibly other things, maybe precious metals or this or that. The only way you're going to be safe with your investments is by being a giver to the kingdom. Because all those who are not givers, are they, they're going to lose their investments. Because it's going to collapse out there. So giving to God today is more important than a week ago. Because now we can all see things can change real quickly out there. Real quickly. So this is the time to really get serious about giving. I've been a Christian for over 50 years now, a few days over 50 years, and I've, ne I've never seen God ever, ever help him up. I've never seen the Lord ever disappoint me when it came to finance or anything else in my life. Never failed me one time. And I've had some real rough moments in my ministry, in my life, financially. But now I'm worried about my children and grandchildren's future because of the future that's coming that I never had to live through. I'm seeing the beginning of the troubles. But I don't know how long I'll be here to see 10 years or 15 years down the road. My children and grandkids will. The only thing that will protect them is my giving today. My giving today will secure Joshua's future. 
will secure Jessica's future, will secure Tasha and Lily and their children and their husbands. Because a righteous man, when he gives his seed, it says his seed or children, will be mighty on the earth. That's in Psalm 112. We guarantee our children's tomorrow by our giving today. And if we love our families, we need to give today more than we did a week ago. We need to really go all out in faith for God in giving. Because if we don't, we ourselves are going to see disaster. And we will see disaster come to our children. So think about what I'm talking about. The, the very bright minds out there are saying a lot worse than we even want to hear about the future. The collapse of the world as we know it. It's frightening what they're saying. We're speaking what the Bible says, which is always wonderful and positive and blessed. And we, are, we have a blessed tomorrow. But you, you hear today what they're telling us, what they're saying out there about the future. We are 100 seconds to midnight now, only and probably way less than that since, since Monday. We, you know, the clock of destruction that they have set back in the, in the Second War. Today we are 100 seconds to midnight, they say. That's not a whole lot of, of, of seconds left. As of last week, it's probably cut in half. Who knows? The world is not very positive about their future. We are about ours because I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. It's not going to happen. This is the time to go all the way out for, for the Lord in surrendering our hearts, in giving him our lives daily. It's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. Moses said to Israel, he said, the law of God should be in your hearts daily. Teach it to your children daily. Why? Because we forget what we read last week. So we have to keep being reminded daily about the word. When I read the Bible over and over, I see new truth every single time. Why? Because my brain isn't able to retain every little beautiful truth I find in the scriptures. It's a process of learning and walking and growing in the Lord, in, his, in the knowledge of his word. Well, you and I have got to daily obey, daily surrender, daily serve him, and continually give to his work. Because that's our only security lies in our obedience. In the spirit, in our physical world, in our financial world, that's all we have is the promise of God. And as we obey, he promised he'll never fail us. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Now I'm going to pray for you that God Almighty will so bless your future, you will not know one day of fear. I said not one day of fear. You'll have faith every day in your life and peace. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, prayer and supplication, let your request be, be made known. And the peace of God will what? Fill your hearts and minds. And I'm going to pray also, no lack in your life. Lift, lift your hands and receive it. Lord, as you've anointed me tonight 
to minister to your people. Anoint me now one more time, Lord, as I pray for them. No lack. No lack spiritually. No lack when it comes to health. No lack financially. As we yield our lives and yield our members, our bodies, and even yield our finances to you. For you said we have to give that to you. Give you our hearts, our lives, our bodies, and finances. And you promised no lack in any area in our life. Now, Lord, speak to your people to give tonight financially also. I pray you'll bless them with a future that is so blessed with riches, spiritual riches, and financial prosperity in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Now, you that are watching, the information is on the screen for you where you can give and how to give. Just simply give on the platform you're watching me on or you can go to our website, benihin.org or you can simply text, which is the quickest and simplest way, BHM45777. It's on the screen for you, BHM45777. And I mentioned to you earlier my book, Mysteries of the Anointing. Uh, you can pre-order it. Uh, it's print, it, uh, published by Charisma. comes out in April, early, early April. It will be a great blessing to your life. But now as you give, as you give, trust God. All is well. I'm telling you, I sense that anointing so strong on me as I'm saying, all is well. I want you all to say, all is well. Say it again. One more time. It is well, absolutely. No question about it. All is well. How many of you tonight, as we are giving, but how many of you tonight felt God's healing touch on your body sitting in the audience here? Thank God. Well, I'm so grateful to the Lord for what he did tonight. And I'm going to dismiss this wonderful group of people in a few moments. I'm going to say goodbye to you sweet people right now. But I'm going to also remind you, keep watching daily as the situation keeps de developing and changing out there. God may just lead me to uh, talk a little more about what could happen. And uh, I'll just let, let God lead me. But my aim is to strengthen you in, in the spirit and to bring the word to you. Thank you for watching daily. Thank you for your love and support. It's been so wonderful to read your comments and to see your emails. You're wonderful. God's people are precious. Well, I'm going to say a big goodbye to you right now, and I'll see you Monday with me. Uh, in fact, next week, some very exciting things we're going to show you. All right. Much love to everyone watching, and shalom. Say shalom. Bye-bye. Love you.